maybe not. But I just pray, um, I want to encourage you to worship the Lord anyway, whether it's your favorite style or not. He is worthy, amen? He's worthy of all of our praise and all of our adoration, all of our worship. Let's stand together and sing joyful.
selfish Lord and we like to know what that is we, we want to know what that, that next step is those days down the road we're not promised that but Lord we promise that you hold them in your hand you hold our future you hold our relationships you hold our, our children you hold our friendships all of that in your hand. You have the pathway. Lord, let us be strong enough, 
courageous enough to trust you in that, that we can look to you when things seem bleak, when, when it doesn't feel like we can even see a step in front of us. Let us be people of courage that can surrender those days to you, those days ahead. We are grateful for your power, your grace in our lives that make for wonderful days. We are thankful for your nature and who you are. You are a God of love. Let us be a church of love. Let us be a church that can minister to this community, that can connect with those here from the park and show your true nature. Let us be mirrors of that your light, your grace, your love. Let us be, let people around us be understanding that we follow a God that is in love. We thank you for your grace in our lives. Lord, we pray specifically for a group right now that's in Gambella, Ethiopia, Lord. We want to lift them up right now. There's many hearts in this room that are connected directly to those that are from this church that are there ministering. Lord, I pray that doors have already been open and will continue to be open for your gospel to be shared, for work to be done, for construction of buildings that you're going to fill, and, and for safety, for peace, for safe travels, for clear and open doorways in a time over there it's, it's not very safe it's not very peaceful continue to be with them every step of the way and bring them back um, safely we lift them up in their mission and ours as well Lord, let us be missionaries here in Woodland Park and not have any type of change of perspective or vision purpose that's any different than being in Gambella than it is here in Woodland Park. The mission stays the same, Lord. May your word be spread, your love be shown, your kingdom be built. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you have the ushers come forward? Take this morning's tithe and offerings. Bow me again. Do it again. We'll do it one more time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the blessings in our lives, financially, through relationships, friendships. There's so many different ways that you bless us, Lord. Let us be people of giving back. It's all borrowed. We know it's all goodness from you. It's all gifts from you. Let us be a giving church bless these tithes and offerings to help create and build your kingdom here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I think we're going to have the kids come up here. We have kids in the audience. Come on up on the stage. For those that do not know, once a month we have, yeah, you're right, you're right. Come on up. You can be the first. For those that don't know, once a month we have the children stay in uh, through the service. 
And we have a little thing called Sermon in the Sack. And this is an object, an item that I have not seen, not aware of. And we're going to have a little lesson on that. And this is our Sermon in the Sack. Find a spot, guys. Find a spot. How are we doing, guys? Who brought it? Elliot? Elliot. Thank you, my man. We're going to find out if Elliot was nice to me. Because this is all on the fly. Pastor usually does this, but let's see what the object is. You guys ready? Can I get a drum roll? Pretty good. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Does anyone know what this thing is? Stormtrooper, that's right. That's your first correct uh, church answer. This is your Stormtrooper from the movie series Star Wars. If I said Star Trek, I think I would have had something thrown at me. Um, these are the grunt soldiers, right? These are the little guys that go around and do all of Darth Vader's bidding, right? What does he have here? Is this, this is a blaster, right? It's mid-blast. Favorite toy. Now, this Stormtrooper, I always thought this was funny because Stormtroopers dressed all in white, right? And, but they were bad dudes, right? Um, are these good guys or bad guys? Bad guys. Why do you think they dress in white? Oh, I just broke his leg. So he's, he's disabled. He's fine now. No need to fear. The Stormtrooper is not going to get you. Stormtroopers dressed in white, so we normally, we see white, we think of, oh, purity, good things, someone who's nice, right? But those stormtroopers are not nice. They're not good. Um, we've been warned before, guys, of, of people that wear, what is, what is a sheep's clothing? What color is a sheep? Sheep is a white, right? God made them that way, and they're white. Um, we've been warned to watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, would this be more like a wolf or a sheep? A wolf wearing white, right? So it's something you've got to watch out for, guys. We have, you have a lot of people in your life that can, are going to help you, teach you the, the right way and the right path, and they're going to help you decipher what is good and what isn't, right? And a good way to do that is to constantly be reading in the Word and understanding what is true, what is right. But sometimes it's not always clear. And so always being learning and lear learning from your parents, from Pastor McKenzie, different ways that you can understand what is good and what isn't, right? Um, but constantly be on the lookout because not everything is what it seems, but you guys keep staying in the Word, praying. And you'll find out what is good and what isn't, right? Watch out for the wolves in sheep's clothing. But you have a lot of people around you that are lifting you up, that are teaching you the right thing, and, yeah, guiding you the right path. Does that sound good? All right. That's Sermon in the Sack. You guys can go, and I think Pastor McKenzie has a workbook for you.
Good morning. It is, it is, I don't know about you, but it is beautiful outside. And there's, there's times I wished when I was pastoring we could have done the service outside because it was so, so nice. But pastor's gone for this Sunday also, and I'm filling in for him. And I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Pastor asked me to speak about the prophets. The prophets in the, in the Bible, it's interesting to me that many of the prophets um, lived very dangerous lives. Many of them had to hide from the people. They were telling them the truth that God wanted them to hear. But, you know, sometimes they wanted to listen to the prophets that were really wolves in sheep clothing, as we learned this morning. <laughs> and, and they would listen to them, and then they would kill the true prophets. So we, we've got to keep that in mind, that we need to hear, we need to listen to what God wants us to hear and sometimes what he wants us to hear is not easy to hear and to follow through with. You know what I mean? So there are, there are different classifications of prophets. There, there are major prophets and there are minor prophets in the Bible. The major prophets is because they wrote long books. And the minor prophets mainly because they wrote shorter books. So... <laughs> There's the difference between the one of the differences between the two. But in Isaiah 41, verse 1, listen to me in silence. It's an interesting way of starting a chapter. Listen to me in, in silence. O coastlands, let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. And when he, when he says, listen in silence, O coastlands, one of the things he's talking about is the people that are far away, not the people that are close. So he's talking about the people that are far away and everyone that is in between. In the New Testament, one of the last things Jesus told his disciples, he said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That would be, in the Old Testament, the coastlands, the ends of the earth. Who stirred up one from the east, from victory meets at every step. He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. And I looked in the Blue Bible, the, the, the footnotes on the side. It says, it talks about God being involved in history. And it got me thinking a little bit. And the question that it asked, and this is, I think is a couple of things it noted, is God involved in history? And how we answer that, the writer said, influences everything within our lives. Now, let me turn that around a little bit and ask this question. Is God involved in our history? Is God involved in our lives? Because I believe God is very much involved in history. I believe history is His story. 
And it's the story about God bringing redemption upon mankind. And on a certain day in history, God sent his son. And Jesus came and he lived among us a, a, a sinless life. He died upon a cross and he rose again that we might have life. And that each and every one of us would be able to know him in a personal way. Verse 3, he pursues them and passes on safety by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first with the last, I am he. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. God is eternal. And this is something that's hard to get our minds around sometimes. We have a beginning at birth, and when, when, when that happens, we, our life begins, but we have a soul, and it will never end. And we have one destination that God is, is making for us that is wonderful, and that is called heaven, and when we choose to serve Jesus, that's the choice that we make, is we get this reservation in heaven. And we get to go there. And then there is another destination, which is hell. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather not go there. But I, the Lord, the first, with the last, am he. Now, here's the difference between us and God. God had no beginning. God lives above time. We live within time. God had no beginning and he has no end. So we call him eternal. He is eternal. I am the first. And he says, I will see the end. I will see the last. The coastlands have seen and been afraid, and the ends of the earth tremble, and they have dropped near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. Now, that's a great thing. I, I think it's good that we encourage one another. There are times when we all need encouragement. And then verse 7, the, craft, the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil and saying to the soldering, it is good. They're, in other words, they're making idols. And they strengthen it with nails so that it could not be moved. What did they do with the fear they felt when they encountered God? In other words, they let the fear they had when they encountered God, drive them away from God instead of serving Him. People still see something in God's power and His glory, and many people today choose to overlook that. They deny it, they reject it, and then they make their own gods. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. It's an interesting phrase, Abraham, my friend. You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you off. And then verse 10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you will help us to grab, to grasp what your word is saying to us. God, that our, that our minds would comprehend, but that our heart, our very soul, would understand what you are saying so that we can place it within our hands, our feet, our mouth, our ears, and go out and be the, the kind of people you want us to be. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's one phrase. I've been a chaplain in a hospital. I've been a pastor for 40 years. And I've made a lot of hospital calls. And I've met a lot of people on the street that needed encouragement. And there's one phrase I, used, I, I have said many, many times. You're going to make it. How many of you, there's, there have been times in your life when you wish somebody would just come up and tell you, you're going to make it. Let me see your hands. Just, yeah. There's been times when I needed somebody, when, when I, you know, the road was getting rough. I didn't know the next move to make. I didn't need somebody to tell me what to do, but I needed that encouragement from somebody that would tell me, you're going to make it. I remember one time I went to the hospital and the lady had been in the hospital for three months. She had major surgery. And I, I, I went in and I prayed with her. And I, I was there at least once, one time a week. And I, I left. And the next time I came, a few days later, she looked at me and she said, I'm, I'm angry at you. And I asked her, why are you angry at me? She said, when you left the last time, you didn't say you're going to make it. <laughs> I said, I won't forget that again. <laughs> but consider these words of the Lord. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Who is Isaiah speaking to? Well, we all know he's speaking to Israel at this time. But I believe he is speaking to all of us who follow the Lord. Uh, to a people, he's speaking to a people whose world was changing for the worse sometimes. But people who at times denied God's power, denied God's word, feared his power. So you find Israel from time to time turning to idols. So they made their own gods. And we live in a world today that people say, well, we don't have any idols. We're not fashioning idols and put them in our homes. But I want to share with you anything that I put between me and God becomes an idol. Anything that I put between God and I becomes an idol. And their gods allowed them that they would bow down to, would allow them to bend the Ten Commandments and, and do whatever. And my question is, which God are you serving today? Are you serving the God who created you? Are you serving the God that you created? Are you serving the God who created you 
and wants your life to be fulfilled? Or are you serving the God you created? Notice what God says of himself with these phrases. He says, in two times, he says, I am. And three times, he says, I will. And those phrases, you will never hear an idol speak. The God we create ultimately will not come to our aid, nor will the God we create speak of his own existence. But notice the fear of God drives men to make their own idols. Gods which only exist in our making. And you know, if we make our own God, if we don't like ourselves, God doesn't, our God doesn't like us either. How many of you like yourself? Let me see your hands. How many of you like yourself? It's important. Yet the God who created us desires to remove any fear, any dismay, and help us and encourage us, and he wants to have a close relationship with us. And I want us to consider this morning five promises which gives us confidence in our life and tells us you're going to make it. Five promises. Number one, fear not for I am with you. Fear comes and will cause panic in our lives and do things that we probably should not do. I, I remember reading the story once of a woman who had five kids, and she decided she could trust them and leave them home. They were, they were smaller. And leave them home while she went to the grocery store and just did a quick trick to get some milk and bread and would come back. And she thought, they'll be okay. So she went on the trip, and she, uh, when she came back, she had this grocery sack in her hand, and she opened up the door, and she went into the living room, and to her horror, her five kids were sitting around in a circle in the middle of the living room with five of the most cutest skunks you've ever seen in your life. And Mama said, run, kids, run. <laughs> and the kids, of course, they each of them grabbed the skunk and they ran. <laughs> and guess what? Skunks don't like to be squeezed. <laughs> Think about the end of that story. I don't know how she could have done it differently, but life is full of frightening situations. About three or four years ago, Nancy and I were, were visiting our son, and we took a trip to Florence, Italy. He, he was living in Paris at the time. We took a trip to Florence, Italy, and we were with some missionaries there, and we were on a tram coming back through the city, and they have this unique way of doing tickets. You, they have a time stamp on them. And if, if you run out of the time stamp before you get off, you can get fined. And we had our tickets, you know, time stamp on our tickets. And it was a holiday, and everything was going very, very slow. And we didn't pay attention to the tickets because that's not normally what we do. And all of a sudden, my, my wife noticed that there were some guys in uniforms <laughs> that got up, and they were checking everybody's tickets. 
and they came to us, and our tickets had ran out 10 minutes before. And we were fined. I think it was 120 euro, which was about, at that time, about $150. And my wife wanted to fight it, but we were flying out the next day. But the thing that got my attention was we didn't have our passports. And that put a little bit of fear into us. But they didn't even ask for it. They just wanted their money. But there's sometimes that uh, fear will come into our lives. I want you to know, just because you're a Christian does not mean you're, you're going to be excused from problems in your life. But here's a lesson I've learned. We should not, we must not face life alone. We should not, we must not face life alone. I want you to know that God is with us. And he also sends people to be with us, especially through, in hard times. And the awareness of God's presence is a great dispeller of fear that we may face. I, I live in eastern Kentucky up on a big hill overlooking several cities. And where I grew up, and I remember one time I went to the Boy Scouts down in the town where we had, we, our troop was, and for some reason I was by myself, and I was walking back home. Usually there were five or six of us, but I was walking home, and it was very dark. And a 10-year-old boy going through the woods on a road, and it's dark, every little noise makes you afraid. <laughs> and I was walking along, and all of a sudden I heard footsteps, and I thought, uh-oh, and it made me, it put a little bit more fear in me. And then I looked up, and there was my dad standing there. He had walked down the hill to walk up with me. I grabbed my dad's hand, and I had no fear the rest of the way. Now, now look at this. I had fear coming up to that point, but when my dad came... And I was walking along with my dad. I had no fear the rest of the way. Harry Fer uh, Emerson Fosdick wrote, Fear imprisons, but faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, uh, but faith empowers. Fear disheartens, but, fear, but faith encourages. Fear makes us useless. Do you get that? Fear will make us useless, but faith makes us useful. And we are a people of faith who put faith in God, and God makes us useful for his kingdom. One other thing I could add to that, fear keeps us in the comfort zone, but faith moves us into the adventure zone. That's where I want to live. Number two, be not dismayed. For I am your God. Discouragement, hopelessness, all of these are emotions we will face from time to time within our lives. Then, it seems like anytime I'm discouraged, there's always someone who will come <laughs> and discourage me. How many of you have been there? 
You're, you just feel down. You feel discouraged. And it always seems to be someone who will come and discourage you. Um, like, you know, sometimes, here's a quote I heard. Sometimes you're the pigeon, and sometimes you're the statue. Some days you wake up and you're the pigeon, and some days you wake up and you just feel like the statue. But God has said this, be not dismayed, for I am your God. Who do you go to for encouragement? Who do you listen to to, to encourage you? In, in Peanuts comic strip, Charles Schultz writes that Linus had just written a comic strip of his own, and he wanted his sister's opinion. And he goes up to his sister, and he gives her a piece of paper, and he says, read this and tell me what you think. And in the next frame, you see Pat, Lucy patting her little foot, and a little bit of a grin comes to her, and she looks at him and says, hey, Linus, who wrote this? And the next frame, Linus says, I did. And Lucy wads it up and throws it on the ground and says, it's not funny at all, and marches off. And as she's marching off, Linus says about his sister, big sisters are the crabgrass of life. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, and I'm sure within years, that there's been people come into, and into our life who ended up being the crabgrass of life instead of someone who was encouraging us. Who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Because it's very important that we listen to people who encourage us. Jesus said this to his disciples, My peace I give unto you. I think we need to be in, in touch with God every day. We need to be in touch with his word every day and find that encouragement that we can make that next step and Jesus is there patting us on the back. And by, by the way, I have, I have learned that every time somebody kicks you in the seat of the pants, that you need 10 people to come and pat you on the back and encourage you. <laughs> so one person can take you down. You need several people to come and encourage you. How, how many of you believe that? <laughs> and, and I have found that to be very true within my life. God's peace, joy, brings contentment within our life in discouragement. In discouragement, run to God. Number three, I will strengthen you. As we spend time with God, He strengthens us. And in, in, in the Hebrew, it's a primitive root. It means to alert physically on foot and mentally courage. But I want to share another lesson I found in life, in pastoring, that when I, when I tried to do ministry my own way and tried to do ministry myself, I find that there were times when I felt so weak. <laughs> I didn't know if I could do it or not. 
But then whenever I found this connection and I turned and I looked to God and I found strength in Him, I found out that I could really do ministry. And by the end of the day, I felt encouraged and I felt energy within my life. Why? Because it was God that was leading me in ministry. And I wasn't just doing it my own way. I found out my own way doesn't work too well. <laughs> Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all Gentiles might hear. In a small village in England, an elderly woman died. She was penniless. She was uh, uneducated. She was not a part of any social setting within the city. But when she died, she had such a tremendous impact on the people for Christ. On her tombstone, they chiseled these words. She did what she couldn't. She did what she couldn't. And I want you to know, when we find strength in Christ and we follow him, that would be chiseled on our tombstones too. He or she did what she couldn't. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we allow Christ to live in and through us, he will do great things through us. It's a song I learned many years ago. It goes, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus Finding more power than I ever dreamed. You know where it's at? It's because I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Number four. I will help you. I will help you. I remember a friend of mine was a missionary and was a pastor in New York City and I had him come speak and he was telling me about some of the women in his church, he said they will walk down the street and they will have this phrase that they will repeat from time to time. And it's, it goes like this, help me, Jesus. <laughs> and he kept talking about these, these couple of ladies that would do this. Help me, Jesus. Well, I want you to know we all need to be aware that we need to have this phrase within our life. Help me, Jesus, because there's times we need God's help. In the Hebrew the word means literally to surround. To surround. Let me tell you a story in the Old Testament. Elisha, Elisha was a great prophet. Elisha was at Dotham with his servant. And a little backdrop to the story. The 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 king of Syria was sending out his army to do uh, these little battles with Israel. And every time he would send through these skirmishes, and every time he would send his army out, Israel's army was there in full force waiting on them. And the king of Syria told his generals, someone here is telling Israel about this, and one of you is a traitor. And one of the generals stood up and said, no, it's none of us. But I want you to know that Israel has a prophet, a prophet of God. 
that knows everything we say when we're, when we're planning these things. And he looked at the king and he says, King, he even knows what you say in your bedroom. Wow. So he says, where is this prophet? And he, they said, well, the last we know, he was in Dothan. So he sends his army to surround Dothan and to take Elisha, a prisoner, sends his whole army. So this is the backdrop. Elisha and his servant, they wake up in the morning, and the servant goes out to the well. And when he goes out to the well, he looks, and the Syrian army is camped all around. And you talk about being afraid. This boy had fear. He could hardly make it back into the house. He was trembling so much. And he went into Elisha and he says, Elisha, the Syrian army is around us. One thing I thought about doing was having three rows stand up and you'd be Syria. I'm not going to do that this morning because you look too comfortable. <laughs> And then have everybody else stand up, but, but uh, we're, we're not, <laughs> we're, we're not ha taking a break here, so we're not going to do that. But he went into Elisha, he came up back into the house, and he said, Elisha, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by the army of Syria. What are we going to do? And Elisha prayed with him, and he says, God, open up his eyes. And then he said, go out, go out again. So the, the servant went out a second time. And the Bible says that the mountains and the hills were filled with the chariots of fire, and the army of the Lord had surrounded them. Elisha goes out, and he commands. This is, this is I, I don't know of any military book that would tell us to do this. He goes outside, and he just commands the army to be blind. And God blinded the army of everybody there. And Elisha goes and he leads them to the king of, of, uh, Jew, of, of Israel. And the king says, well, they're blind. Why, why don't we just kill them all? And, and Elisha said, no, I want you to make them a feast. I want you to feed them all. And this is before McDonald's drive through I want you to feed them all, and then I want you to uh, just send them home. So he did that, and he sent them home, and no more during that time did Syria raid Israel because there was a prophet in Israel who knew God. There was a prophet in Israel who knew God. But here's the story. They were surrounded by the enemy, but God surrounded the enemy. And he made sure they could not touch that prophet, Elijah. There are times in our life when we feel surrounded. There are times in our life when we know there's an enemy out to get us. If, I, I mean... Just take some time today and read several of David's psalms. 
And several of them says, David's saying, the enemy's out to get me, God. Do something about it. And, and during this time within our own lives, we know that there is an enemy out there. And we know that Satan, he wants to destroy God's kingdom. But then he uses people too and to come. But I, know, I want you to know that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. You're going to make it. You're going to make it because God is going to help you. Number four, or number five, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. It's interesting that he uses the word uphold because remember the beginning, the craftsmen were building idols, but they had to, they had to nail them down so they didn't topple over. And now God is telling us, his children, I am going to uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And the right hand is the strong hand in, in the Old Testament. I'm going to uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Let me rephrase that a little bit. I'm going to hold you up when you need to be held up. I'm going to make it so that you will not fall. I am going to hold you up when you need someone to hold you up. In Isaiah 41, 13, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Wow. I like Kirk Franklin and the songs that he writes. Many of them is been an encouragement with one of them. It goes like this. You don't have to worry and don't you be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. Let me repeat that. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. For there's a friend named Jesus. Mm who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hand and say, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. There's been times in my life When I was in the military and when I was in Bible college, there's been times in my life when I've gone through discouragement, but I knew I was in his hands and he helped me. I don't know what you're going through this morning. God laid this scripture on my mind. By the way, this is my life verse, Isaiah 41 10. But are you afraid? Let me put it another way. Are you worried? Is there something you're worrying about? Are you discouraged? Do you feel weak? Drained? Do you feel surrounded? 
Are you about to give up? I want everyone to bow your heads, please. No one looking around. I want to ask these questions again. And I want you to respond. If I'm speaking to you this morning, if this has touched you and you're, this speaks to your struggle right now, I just want you to raise up your hand and say, Greg, this is me. Are you worried? Are you afraid? Is there something you're worried about? Yes. Are you discouraged? Let me put it another way. Are you frustrated? Do you feel weak? Is there times when you feel like you're surrounded and you don't know where to look? Are you about to give up? And I know some people should be raising their hands and you're not. But let me share with you. God is right here this morning to help you. He is right here to encourage you, to give you strength, and to help you with every step that you will take in the future. I want you to know that. As your heads are bowed, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and him with me. This is a, it's one of the things that amazed me. God wants to have a relationship with me. And I want if there's anyone here this morning who would say, Greg, I'm not sure about my relationship with Jesus, or I know that I don't have one. And this morning, I want to do something about that. I know that Jesus is standing in front of my life and he wants to come in and I want to do something about that this morning. If that's you, can I see your hand? Anyone? I want us to pray a prayer together that... Uh, I just want us to pray this and, and pray with me, please. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you that he came, that he died, and he rose again, that I might have life. And I pray, Father, I know that I need Jesus within my life. And I pray, Lord, that you will come in I'm asking you to come in this morning. Help me to walk this life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can look up. There's one person to raise their hand. If you, if, if you pray that prayer, I want you to know that's just the beginning of the journey. It's not the journey. This is the beginning of the journey. Know Jesus. I, I want us to listen to this one more time to conclude the service. And this is my blessing to you, this verse. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. 
I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I want you to take these words and I want you to find somebody today or tomorrow at, at the most. I want you to find somebody that you could walk up to and just say, you're going to make it. Because all of us need that from time to time. Let's all stand. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for your word. And hopefully, Lord, we, we learn to lean upon you and we learn a little bit more about our relationship with you. God, you, are, you, you want to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And Father, I pray that you will pat your people on the back as they leave and just tell them you're going to make it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said...